Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air. As the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of Real Ghost Stories Online, the very thing that you listen to probably on a regular basis. So if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online to listen to in exchange for your support. It's only $5 a month, and you can sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Your support is what keeps our show going. Plus, we'll give you access to all of the past EPP bonus episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online, jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in, and exclusively for EPPs, more than 30 full episodes. Thanks for helping keep Real Ghost Stories Online on the air. Without your support, the show couldn't go on. Sign up now to be an EPP, extra podcast person, on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And on today's show, could the ghost of a little girl simply just want to join in on the fun of a game of hide-and-seek? A luxurious five-star resort in Vermont has one additional amenity that makes your stay unique. A poltergeist. A listener shares a feeling he gets just before something terrible happens to a loved one, and how he's learned to follow his sixth sense. And they say a picture is worth a thousand words, but what about the picture frame that holds it? Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski, uh, joining you. She's joining us in spirit today. She's uh, she's out ill, so it's uh, it's just uh, Tony Bruski here with you today. Our EPPs uh, over the weekend, if you heard our EPP episode, which was a really good episode, uh, you could also uh, be aware that uh, Jenny uh, was beginning to uh, come down with a bit of a, a cold or flu or something. Scurvy, as I like to call everything that uh, is an illness. So she's resting up and getting better uh, today. But uh, that's uh, that's what's going on. So you got me for today. You got some great stories and uh, some good calls. So we're excited about that. Our phone number is 855-853-4802 to uh, call in and share your real ghost story with us. Of course, you can also uh, email us on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you are so inclined, there's our uh, forum section up there as well, uh, up there as well where you can also uh, weigh in on our episodes and uh, various colorful discussion about uh, the show and the stories that we've talked about. So lots of ways to interact and uh, and continue sharing the ghost stories well beyond the confines of the episodes. Well, I kick off the show today. We got a, a letter that uh, came into us uh, from Eli, and uh, we'll go to Eli's letter here first. He writes in, this isn't my experience, it's my cousins, but I was with her when she experienced it. One summer, I'll say around 06, she was watching over me, my brother, sister, and her little brother, while our parents were at work. They lived with my family. Anyway, at the house in the afternoon, we were all hanging out doing our own thing, whether it was playing video games or watching TV. She and my little sister were playing hide-and-seek in the house. It wasn't a big house, and it was a pretty small four-bedroom house. They were running around, playing, having fun, whatever. One round of hide-and-seek later, my cousin decided to hide in my parents' closet while my sister was searching for her on the opposite side of the house. Then all of a sudden, the silence was broken when my cousin came running into the living room crying, just screaming hysterically as if she witnessed something horrible. And she asked my sister in a frantic voice, Please tell me you were in your parents' bedroom. And she said, No, that she was in the living room the whole time. At this point, we were scared because we knew she saw something. Then she told us that she saw a little girl standing in front of the mirror in my parents' bedroom. We're all freaked out, and because she was crying, it was making the situation a lot worse. 
Moving forward, we called our parents saying that Jessica said she saw a little girl in my parents' room. So because we were really young and not so brave to step foot anywhere else in the house, we waited outside till a family member showed up. My uncle was the first to arrive. He's had multiple encounters with the paranormal himself, so he understood the situation. We told him what happened, and he walked in the house, checked the bedrooms while we were outside, and said, Nothing was in the house. He stayed with us until my parents arrived. Later on that week, we did some research on the house and asked neighbors if anything had happened there a while back. We'd eventually learned that a while ago, a little girl, I believe she was around five years old, was killed outside my sister's bedroom window. We said some prayers for her, got the house blessed, and everything felt peaceful after. We eventually moved in with my grandparents, but while we were in the process of packing up, my mom started experiencing some stuff. She'd say that she'd see an older man walking around looking at the boxes with a concerned look. She'd experience someone touching her while in the house and some other feelings as if we weren't the only ones living there again. One morning, when we came back home from breakfast, we found our canopy tangled in the telephone wires. We had no idea how it got up there, and from what we remembered, it was not windy the night before. The way it was tangled, it was as if a group of people wrapped the wires around one leg of the canopy. When we opened the back door, our dog came bursting in, not excitedly, but frightened. She had marks on her legs as if she had been attacked, and the marks looked fresh. We packed up and left as soon as we could after that. Let's see the end of that story. Very interesting. It's always interesting when you hear a story uh, and it's alluded to that there's someone that was killed or some sort of tragic event occurred outside a window, outside a door on a property, but there's very few details about it. It makes you wonder... You know, number one, the validity of, of what that, that is. You know, it, it's one thing, because sometimes, you know, when, when you talk to a neighbor or you talk to someone from the area, oh, yeah, such and such happened right down there. And it can be factual events that they're referring to, but then if you actually are able to go and look up the register of what actually happened, like in a newspaper or something of that nature, you find out that sometimes memory isn't always the the best resource, if you will, even people with the best of intentions, when they say, oh yeah, so-and-so, that that happened right over there, and it turns out it was like five blocks away or something. There was something recently where it was about a haunting, I, I, I don't recall what what I saw it on, but it was, they were trying to allude that it had to do with a train wreck, and they were like, oh, the train wreck wasn't that far away, and then they looked it up, and it was like 40 miles away from the site of the haunting. It's like, yeah, probably nothing to do with the train wreck in reality, considering the distance that we're talking about here, and the phenomena really not referencing the train wreck at all. It was kind of like grasping at straws to uh, come up with something bad that happened that would explain a paranormal activity. Um, anyway, interesting, you know, if, if there was a, a tragedy outside that window, that certainly would make sense. I would just like to hear more about, you know, what actually did happen and if it's verifiable by more than just so-and-so said someone died over there. Now, it's a very interesting story, so thank you for uh, writing that into us. Our phone number is 855-853-4802 here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, press subscribe. That really would help us out. It helps us grow the show. It helps uh, other folks find it because it uh, essentially tells the search engines of iTunes and Stitcher and whatever else you're listening to us on that, hey, yeah, there's some interest here, and that helps us uh, climb the charts. So thank you so much. If you've already done that, and if uh, you're a new listener, please consider doing that. Uh, it helps the show, and uh, you also get every episode of the show and sent directly to you. So not a bad thing there. You don't have to search for it every time you want to find a new ghost story. Jesse writes in, hello, Jesse here. Last winter in January, my crew and I were rebuilding a garage for a client. His client is only a mile north of where I live, so I tend to favor his farm and give him more of my time since he's so close. His cabin always gave me a weird vibe when you went inside. I think I'm sensitive. I'm not sure. I know when the energy changes because my heart has a sinking feeling and my self-awareness increases. 
The cabin is a two-story, and the upstairs especially gives it vibe off. The cabin is probably 300 square feet on the first floor, with very tight corners from room to room. As you walk from the kitchen into the living room, turn the corner is the stairs to the second floor. As you look up the stairs, there's a crawl space door you can see from the landing. As I look at it, I feel something is staring back and smiling. The crawl space leads to the attic. Upstairs is a laptop that manages the trail cameras on the farm. From time to time, I have to go upstairs to the laptop to reboot it. I dread going up there because I feel something lurking around the corners. My girlfriend has been in the house and she is far from sensitive, but the first time she stepped in, she said aloud, It feels like someone died in here. Odd for her. Anyway, back to last January. We use a cabin to warm up since 2013 winter, so horrendously cold. Yes, odd time to rebuild a garage, but hey, it pays. And have lunch. I had two people working with me. We'll call them Tim and Owen. Tim, who is working for me, is very sensitive and possibly psychic, for he claims to have visions from time to time. Please correct me on my terminology. If that is the incorrect definition of psychic, please let me know. I brought Tim to the upstairs one day to see what he thought. Tim's usually a happy-go-lucky guy with always a smile and a laugh, but as soon as he got upstairs, he froze. He refused to go any further. Tim pointed at the crawl space door and said, It's coming from there. I had the idea of doing an EVP session. How I conduct an EVP session is two ways. One way, if I feel something different that's not right, I don't ask questions. I just set my phone down with the recording app on my uh, uh, on for my own curiosity. If someone is being bothered, like my last story, then I ask questions. I try to keep doors closed as much as possible. Anyway, I went to the crawl space door, opened it, turned on my recording app, laid my phone down, and shut the crawl space door. Tim, Owen, and I just had a conversation about what we're feeling and what's going on. Owen's a little sensitive as well. After a while of talking, I removed the phone and ended the recording session. It was 11 minutes worth. I replayed the recording, and after I said the statement, I see a lot of shadow people in my room. We all heard a ghostly whoa on the recorder. After that, I quickly went into the crawl space and started to take pictures. One picture stood out from all of the rest. In the corner of the attic was a floating skull with green eyes. Horns protruded from the skull with long black hair. It was laughing. We made out skeletons, and a finger was an orb. In the orb sat a woman, her hair in a bun, in an old green dress holding an old hand fan. It appeared she was sitting in a chair. Now I'll say right now, I deleted the photos because it disturbed me so much. I know that ruins my credibility to the story, but we saw what we saw. I sent the picture to Owen, and unfortunately, he lost his phone. I know you must be thinking, why delete it? I believe there's a demon in that house. The old woman in the orb shows that it's keeping her trapped in the house. I was afraid the picture would open up doors that I do not want to open. At the end of our investigation, we prayed. I'm a Christian and invited the Holy Spirit into that house. My client is also a Christian. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Joshua twenty four fifteen is a verse I use as a declaration that the house will be for the Lord. I felt finally warm in the house and comfortable. For a while, from time to time, I feel I'm being stared at from the windows or when I go inside, I hear footsteps upstairs. The most frightening experience from that house occurred late last spring. We were back upstairs. I was showing Tim how to run the trail camera program on the laptop, and I asked, How do you feel up here? He replied, I don't feel it now. I, on the other hand, still feel it. It's not as heavy as before, but it's hiding in the shadows of the attic. Tim and I were walking downstairs, and I said aloud, Come talk to me if you're here. I don't know why I said this, for this was very stupid, but I was being cocky. The next day, my mom, I live at my parents' house since most of my clients are around my home and my dad was dying of ALS, so I decided to stay and help wouldn't do what I could. My mom said, who were you talking to last night? I was perplexed and said, nobody. I woke up around 2.30 to grab a glass of water and I heard you talking. It sounded like a deep conversation with somebody, but I couldn't make out what you were saying. That sent a chill up my spine. For I said, come talk to me. Like I said, it was stupid, but I was angry because it used me as a puppet in my sleep. 
I normally don't talk in my sleep, however, as one friend pointed, I snore like a grizzly bear, but I don't talk. I know this was a long story. It's actually shorter in person. It's a very profound experience, and luckily, I haven't had any more in that house. I think I still have the EVP, and I'll be more than happy to send it to you, along with one from the last story. I regret deleting the photo. It was horrifying yet awesome at the same time. In my spare time, I need to find out the history of that house, and I'll let you know what I find. Thank you for your time. Again, you guys are doing an awesome job. I love the show. It's scary, funny, and sometimes uplifting all in one episode. So keep up the work and take care. Thank you for writing that in. Thank you for the kind words. That was a very interesting story, and it kind of touched on something that I've always wondered about with uh, with orbs. We get a lot of stories. We get pictures, too. And pictures are, are something I, I'll, I'll admit I'm not super good, I think, at deciphering uh, ghosts in pictures. I, I, unless it's, it's very, very evident. I, I, I have a very difficult time when I get someone saying, and if you look here in this corner, behind this board, underneath this table, uh, you'll see, and it's just, <laughs> it just looks black. You know, it's like a. Uh, you'll see this 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 image of a man, and I get absolutely nothing out of it. I mean, unless it's very very evident. I think it's different when it's a setting that you're used to seeing, and you can tell if something is out of place to see it. And then for someone like me who's not familiar with the setting that you're in, um, to then be able to suddenly see it if it's very difficult to make out. I love getting your pictures. Um, it's just I, I I need to see it fairly evidently to uh, to make it out. Anyway, on that topic, we're talking about orbs there for a second and the images that uh, that were claimed to be seen in that orb. And that's always a difficult one for me too. I just it's not the first time I've had someone say, "Look at that orb," and within the orb. You can see an image. That's a pretty detailed image that was described there. An old woman sitting in a chair with a fan, I believe, or something of that nature. That's that's very... I would. I, I so wish we could see that picture because it sounds pretty detailed. Like, if you're going to get to that level of depth and say, here's what we saw in that orb, I'm assuming it was fairly clear or, or one heck of an interpretation. Um, but that's interesting to me that... that you would see these things within an orb. Because to me, orbs have always just been kind of, you know, balls of energy, if you will. Not necessarily like crystal balls into uh, another dimension. Well, you know, that again, that is just my interpretation of it. I mean, there's, I mean, it, 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 all of this is very relative. It's one of those things where everyone has a, a bit of a different take or understanding on it and the more we do the show and the more stories we get the more it makes me question my own interpretation of things you know thinking oh they're just you know it's balls of energy or something and maybe it can turn into something but then you get so many stories like this where people are actually seeing images within the orb what does that mean is that still the same sort of thing it's just how it represents I don't know it's <laughs> again we have more questions than answers the more that we do the show, <laughs> don't we? Anyway, thank you for the story. It was very good. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Liz writes in, The first apartment I lived in was in the area of Louisville, Kentucky, called the Highlands. It's a revitalized part of the city. It was very run down in the 60s and 70s but is now enjoying a boom with young couples moving in and renovations happening on every street. The homes are mixtures of old and new, and many of the older homes have been converted into multi-dwelling units. The 1920s fourplex building my now wife and I lived in was very unique, and no building in the neighborhood looked quite the same. Immediately, immediately upon moving in, we began to notice a smell. It smelled like something was burning or smoldering, which was something very worrisome in such an old building. It was always a brief smell, only caught in a single sniff. If we were to smell it, we'd always go looking for the source, but the smell would dissipate almost immediately. 
This was strange because when the smell would appear, it would be so strong that it was almost overpowering. The kind of smell that if you were locked in a room with it for too long, you'd break out into a coughing fit, but it was one sniff. That's all we ever got. Over the months, we began to just live with the smell, knowing it wouldn't last for more than a second and knowing that it wouldn't happen, but maybe once a week. While living in this apartment, I gained an interest in local history and architecture. Naturally, I looked up the history of the fourplex apartment we were living in. I found that it was built in the 1920s as a bachelor's quarters. It was only two rooms. In the back of the house, which contained the kitchen, back porch, and master bedroom, was built on in the 1940s, when the building was converted into quarters for immigrant families. The part about the bachelor's quarters struck me as I suddenly realized the smell was only ever caught in front of two rooms of the apartment, and the smell smelled exactly like cigar smoke. Interesting. Well, there you go. I mean, it it certainly ties in with the history of the building and what it was used for. And cigar smoke is a very distinct smell. You smell that, you know exactly what you are smelling. And of course, it does kind of tend to be one of those love-it-or-hate-it smells. It's either, oh, that's great, or oh my god, this is horrendous. Let's get one whiff of that. That's all you need to know that it was a cigar and uh, tying it into the history. Uh, Yeah. You think residual there? Or do you think there's actually something still actively smoking a cigar and every once in a while it's, it's crossing over into our time and space? Interesting to think about. 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. And I know you guys uh, hear us asking you to be EPPs all the time. We have a lot of EPPs. We thank you so much for uh, for being one if you already are one. As the show grows, the reason we're asking for it so often is because the cost of producing the show go up. Essentially, the more listeners we have, the more bandwidth it takes to put the show out there. Um, so that being said... Um, that's why we need more EPPs to help uh, help cover those costs of actually keeping this show alive. So I apologize for talking about it so frequently, but it's kind of one of those necessarily evils of we love doing the show for you and we love to keep doing the show for you. So in order to do that, we kind of have to ask for you to help support us doing the show so it can continue on. So if you like the show, like I always say, consider supporting it. It's only five bucks a month and you get more than just the free episodes. We're actually giving you something beyond that as a thank you. It's not just a goodwill gesture. You're getting something in return. You're getting uh, bonus episodes now up to 33 complete bonus episodes and a video on top of that that we produced called Spirits in the Air that's about a haunted uh, airport, a former airport. Tons of history there. Really interesting video. Um, Anyway, you get all that uh, as being an EPP member and a brand new bonus episode every single week. And we try to make sure that those bonus episodes are packed with some of the best stories that we get in throughout the week. And it's not a repeat or rerun of regular episodes. It is all unique, 100% to the uh, the EPP bonus episode. So five bucks a month, sign up on the website. Please consider supporting the show. Um, it's like the, cup of a cost, uh, the, the cost of a cup of coffee. And um, it keeps us on the air. Everybody united together supporting the show keeps, keeps this thing going. So we thank you, like I said, if you already are one. And if you're not, please consider uh, helping us out there. We're keeping this thing going. Michael writes in, I was uh, working for a five-star resort in Vermont many years ago when I experienced an event that, although not a scary, convinced me, at least that not everything can easily be explained away. The resort was, which will remain nameless due to an agreement I made mainly because of the political figures and celebrities that frequent it, plagued by a poltergeist-type activity. In fact, the chef became so irritated at having to put all the pots, pans, plates, glasses, silverware, etc. away every morning, he convinced the general manager to get professional help. Originally created by the owner as a tax shelter for his collection of rare and expensive pieces of art, the resort's staff all had stories of their different encounters. But after a year of working there, I had seen little other than having to turn lights out several times before they'd stay off. I brought a continental breakfast to a couple in their room one morning in all of its glory. As a five-star resort, nothing is done halfway, and this was no exception. 
I cleared off a table, laid down a linen table, cloth where I placed a wicker basket of freshly made scones, croissants, and such, followed by the play settings of hand-blown glasses, locally handmade dishes, and silverware with antler handles. We placed the uh, hoggle of coffee on the table with poached eggs, smoked salmon, fresh fruit, juices, and the like. That's a continental breakfast right there. It's, it's a little... It's a step up from the Days Inn and the three-year-old bagel. <laughs> That's sitting in the... Is this a bagel or is this like a... I'm not quite sure. Uh, I was contacted later by housekeeping and informed the couple was out of their room so I could retrieve the plates and such. Once I was in the room, I found the basket. I brought the breakfast in and began packing everything away. I packed everything but a coffee cup and saucer when I carefully folded the tablecloth and placed it on the top of the basket. Now, sometimes coffee cups can be hard to locate. People tend to walk around with them, so there's no telling where you'll find them. After walking around the single room and bathroom several times, I decided they must have it with them. I reached down to gather up the basket, only to notice the cup and saucer had been on the table the whole time. I packed it in the basket and left the room. I headed down the stairs towards the kitchen... And the hairs on the back of my neck began standing up as I realized a very simple fact. I had already packed away the tablecloth. Many people have tried debunking the events over the years only to sound ridiculous doing so. No, there wasn't a hole in the tablecloth. The people didn't return and put it on the table without me knowing. It wasn't under the tablecloth as they ate. And I didn't find it, put it on the table, forget it, and find it again. Like I said, it's not a scary story. But all the evidence I need. That's an interesting one. It kind of brings up something we talked about a couple, probably more than a couple nights ago, probably a couple weeks ago, actually, um, where things like this happen. I was asking Jenny, I said, do you think that this is, or these, these objects are literally physically moving from point A to point B when we're not looking? Or is it more like like Star Trek and they're teleporting, if you will? I don't know which one I feel more comfortable about because I, I don't think I feel comfortable about, comfortable about either, but it makes me wonder if, if the entities simply have the ability to physically move objects, okay, that makes... I guess somewhat amount of sense if there's a ghost it could move something from point A to point B but if they actually have the ability to like dematerialize an object in one place and then make it materialize again in another okay I think that one's a little more creepy and a little more disturbing because if they can do that to an object could they do it to a person That's something rather disturbing to think about. It makes you wonder if that is a possibility. There's a lot of missing people out there in this world. Could any of it be paranormal related? If they have that ability, you know? It's an interesting thought. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Of course, you can write into the show on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. And you can follow us on Twitter, actually. I'm going to try and be a little more active on that platform going forward. We've always posted the, the show links out there, but I'm going to try and you know, do a little more commentary throughout the, uh, throughout the day about stuff that we're doing and such. So if you're a Twitter user, uh, we're uh, at Ghost Story Radio uh, if you want to uh, to follow us. There's also the link up on the website uh, as well. Cindy writes in, Hi, beautiful people. My name is Cindy. I'm from uh, Monroe Valley, California. Uh, I'm 23 years old. I've uh, been vi- uh, listening to your show on YouTube for almost two months now, and I'm so loving the show, the stories and people that you two share with us. Well, I have a story to share with you guys and everyone. I come from a Catholic family, and my mom and I are into the paranormal, but we rather not see, hear, or feel anything. 
We respect every aspect of the dead and spirits, but my dad is a non-believer. Anywho, three years ago, my grandfather, or my uh, uh, abuelito, uh, my mom's dad, passed away. I loved him so much. He was a happy man and always had something funny to say at inappropriate times, but also had the best ghost stories, he told me from when he was younger. Unfortunately, he passed away due to lung cancer. Both my parents left to Mexico in a rush to his funeral, leaving me behind due to school, and I didn't renew my passport like I was told to many times. They left for a week, and during the second day after they left, I woke up to do some chores. Saddened from the loss of my awesome grandfather, I went to the guest room, a.k.a. his permanent room, when he came to visit for the winter. Once I opened the door to the room, a very strong smell of my grandfather's uh, remedy rub hit me. He always brought up some from Mexico to help us out with uh, our ouchies, but the smell wasn't a nasty smell like some people described it to be, but it was a soft smell. Well, I shrugged it off as if the smell was always there. The fourth day, early in the morning, like 6 a.m., I was woken up by scratching noises out of the living room. I got up to see what it was, but when I got out of the living room, the noise stopped. I was so freaked out, I ran to my room to hide under the covers. I get easily scared. The day before my parents were on their way to the whole, the whole day, it felt as if I was being watched. I wasn't scared, but a little uneasy. I went through the day as if nothing was going on. The second day after my parents got home, it was mid-September, and it was kind of chilly. It's around 7.30 p.m., and I was sitting in the living room talking to my mom while she was in the kitchen. From the corner of my eye, I saw the house plants moving. I turned around and saw my mom standing, looking at the plants, too. I looked around to see if there was wind coming from somewhere, and everything was closed. My mom and I looked at each other, giggling and smiled. My mom said it was my grandfather saying goodbye to us since we weren't able to say goodbye to him. Well, that's one of my experiences with someone from beyond the grave. Oh, one more thing. On September 10th, it was my birthday. On the 11th, my grandfather died. And on the 12th, my niece was born. Does that tell you guys something? My mom told me that my grandfather had to die so he can leave a space in life so my niece can be born. Well, thanks so much for reading my story and keep up the awesome work. Thank you for writing in and sharing that story with us. I, I, I don't know so much about the end where he necessarily really did need to leave to make space, um, but I certainly do uh, believe that he was there trying to say goodbye in whatever way he was able to, and that was very likely him doing just that. When my grandmother died um, several years ago now, it was probably, I don't know, five years ago-ish, um, I don't know what it was, um, and and it could have been something we've been talking about recently on the show, uh, exploding head syndrome, because I was uh, under a bit of stress at that moment in time, um, not only uh, just from the, uh, uh, the fact that I knew my grandmother wasn't doing very well and that it was probably going to be happening almost any time then. But there were some other things going on in my life at that time that were also very stressful. And that can lead to the exploding head syndrome. And if you're new to uh, the show, exploding head syndrome is when you hear a loud noise or a bang or some sort of sound in your sleep that's really not there, but you wake up. A lot of times it's a loud bang. And you could swear to God that it actually happened, that that there was a loud bang and an audible bang that, that you were woken up from, but it was truly just in your in your subconscious. Anyway, uh, the, the day, the, the evening that she had passed away, uh, it was late at night, um, I woke up um, around the time that it was reported to me that she had passed, and I woke up to hearing and thinking I had heard... Uh, my door slam, my outside door slam uh, to my house. And I was the only one living there at that moment in my life. Me and Jenny had not been married yet. And uh, we were not living together at that point. And 
it was really bizarre. It was very, very, very bizarre. Um, I didn't really know what to make of it. Um, I went back to bed, and the next morning I found out that uh, that grandma had passed. Um, so I don't know. I actually, it's funny, I put that in her eulogy because I, I delivered it at, uh, at the church that that experience had happened. Uh, so I don't know what a bunch of Lutherans in, in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin thought of that part of the eulogy, but um, I just had to share it because I thought it was really weird uh, when that experience occurred. Again, I, I it could have been stress. It could have, you know, just been so many things. And, and like I said, I've had that phenomena happen to me several times throughout my life when I'm under stress, and I don't necessarily attribute it to being paranormal in most of those cases. This would be the one time where it actually did kind of line up time frame wise with something of, of personal significance. So, I don't know. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Anonymous writes in, Hey, Tony and Jenny, I uh, hope you're uh, both doing great. I just have a couple, a few really uh, quick stories of uh, the paranormal I've had throughout my life, and I wanted to share them. I don't really know if I would be considered a sensitive or psychic or anything, but I do think I can sense when things are wrong more than anyone else in my family. Right before anything terrible happens to my relatives, I always get this overwhelming feeling of terror and dread. It becomes hard for me to focus on anything other than finding out if my family is all right. When I contact them to check, I always either hear about an injury, a theft, an illness, an accident, or loss. Never has there been a time when I get this feeling and everything is fine and dandy. The time that it's worse, I almost lost my little brother, sister, and mother. They were driving into town and the truck ahead of them was too tall to go under the bridge. The lift ended up taking out chunks of the concrete and rained it all over my mom's car and through the windshield. Miraculously, the worst injury was the truck drivers, and it was nothing more than a bruised rib. I remember feeling that horrible dread, and when I called my mom, she was in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. This is the only instance of many where I've seen things before they happen, and every time it has ended with something bad. My mother's story actually has to do with the dark energy, I think. It resides in my house. We have a large basement, and most of my family members hate going downstairs. I and my little sister especially. It always seems dark down there, no matter how many lights we have on, and there's always the feeling of being watched and a pressure on my chest, almost like someone has their arms around me and is hugging way too hard. Whenever I walk up the stairs, I have the intense fear that I have to run or something will grab my leg and pull me down. I have a similar feeling in the hallway outside my room. It's only about five feet long, but I always feel uncomfortable walking through it. I can't sleep at night if my door is open, and whenever I'm going into my room, I have to race inside and close the door before I can breathe. I don't know how, but I get the feeling that the energy is female, and she crawls on the floor. If I lay in my room with the door open, especially at night, I swear I can hear scuffling and see shadows moving just outside. And if I try to sleep with the door open, I have these images of a woman slithering in my room and dragging herself over my bed. I can't make out many details except for dark hair and the fact that she looks like she's slightly distorted. Kind of like if you look at someone who's underwater. Sorry if this got kind of long. I love your show so much and hope to become an EPP. Thanks. And bye. Yeah, I would say that's kind of dark. That's probably not something uh, that was... I guess, living at one point in time? That sounds to me like something that uh, has no real good intent other than, at the least, you could hope, inflicting fear upon you, but very likely things like that have a little bit uh, loftier goals than that. So, I would... I would steer clear of that room, <laughs> I think, uh, for as long as you possibly can. Uh, AJ writes into the show, Hello again, Tony and Jenny. This uh, My mom is really into home furnishing and interior decorating, and she digs antique pieces and often looks for them in yard sales and uh, crafter marketplaces. One day, 
She brought home an old-looking wooden picture frame with a black and white stock photograph in it that she bought from a yard sale. She placed it in our guest room as part of the decor. After that, everyone who slept in that room had experienced horrible nightmares, and I'll share three different people's experiences. My grandmother, my uncle, and a female family friend, all of them have stayed in that guest room and all have had at least one terrifying experience. First, my grandmother dreamt one night that she was floating in a big body of water with hundreds of wooden coffins floating around her. Next, my uncle dreamt that he was a victim of a shooting and he laid there dying on the street, surrounded by frantic people in police cars. Finally, my family friend stayed in our guest room with her husband one night, and she woke up the next morning with a door of the room open to the hallway. She said that she saw a lady with long black hair wearing an old-looking long black dress standing with her back towards her. She got scared but figured it was just my mom or something. When she talked to my mom later that day, she asked if my mom was the one standing in the hallway wearing all black that morning, and it wasn't. Anyway, that picture frame stayed in our house, and we even brought it to our new house when we moved a few years later. My mom never put it in our new house and just left it in the garage in one of our moving boxes. When my mom caught wind of these stories, she quickly tried to get rid of the frame, and we ended up selling it at a yard sale, which was probably not the best of ideas. We should have just burned the damn thing or reburied it. We brought up the story of that frame years later, and my mom mentioned that she had watched a show that talked about how people used to dig up and desecrate old graves for the wooden coffins. They'd reclaim the wood and sell them to craftsmen that would turn them into picture frames and such. Anyway, we figured that that's what was happening with our picture frame, which makes sense given my grandmother's nightmare. Maybe angry ghosts whose graves had been desecrated attached themselves to pieces of wood that made up the frame and manifested themselves in the dreams of the people who slept in the same room where the picture frame was placed. Anyway, thanks for taking the time to read my story. I'll share more in the future. Cheers. P.S. Tony. Has anyone ever told you you kind of sound like Ryan Seacrest? Please don't hate me for saying that. My friend, I hate you for saying that. And this is American Idol. Yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> it was kind of surprising the first time I heard it because I never really, I don't know, I, I, don't, I, I don't know, I don't pay that much attention to Ryan Seacrest. So it's like, well, I okay, I guess, you know. And then I had a, a boss at one point going, hey, we're doing this uh, American Idol parody. Pretend you're Ryan Seacrest and and do that. This is American Idol line for us because you sound just like okay. Well, anywho, uh, very interesting story. I had never heard uh, of coffins, wooden coffins being dug up to be turned into picture frames. I would almost assume that there's so much damn wood out there that the amount of work and effort that it would take to get down to a coffin and then find one that had not been destroyed by the gases that were being emitted from the rotting bodies or just the earth and its critters that live in it to get that wood up and then put it into a picture frame. I would just think, I don't know, maybe cutting down a tree uh, and, and using that wood for the frames would be less costly, more effective. Maybe I'm crazy. I mean, I don't know. Is there something about that? That the wood is, does it get more, does it get petrified in the ground at that level? And then that's what they're, they're wanting to get. I don't know. I guess it's one to, uh, to do a little more research on. And if Jenny was here, I'd say, did you Google that yet? Um, but I have never heard that before, but assuming it's true, that would make a lot of sense. You know, desecrating a grave of any sort and then using part of that for something else, uh, never really a good idea. It's kind of like back when we've talked about this before, we were at an antique store in Princeton, Wisconsin, which is near the area where I grew up. And we're going through the store, and we're like, what the hell is this in in a glass case? Oh, those are slave gravestones at the antique store. Somebody 
found these gravestones, then just leave them. Think of, oh, oh, this is, oh, this is sad. And out of it, you know, at least some respect, leave them there. No, they picked them up and somehow they ended up in the antique store. And I was like, why would you, who would allow this? You know, because most antique stores are made up of um, vendors, multiple vendors. And I, I said, you know, is this like one of the vendors that's doing this? I mean, and then why are you allowing that to be sold? Oh, no, it's <laughs> it's the owner's case. The owner of the whole store. That's part of their collection. Like, oh, my God, I did not. I did not bother to ask how much they were. I should have just out of curiosity, not that I would ever consider buying them. I mean, that would be the last thing I would ever do. But I am a little bit curious to know if there actually is. Is there a market out there where people buy shit like that? I mean, I suppose so. I mean, there seems to be a market for almost everything. But what I mean, what a sick thing to to collect. I mean, my God, I mean, I... It almost makes you like want to start a, a collector group for that just to get the stones. And then if there's a way of figuring out where they were from, which I doubt there is going back and then putting them back where they belong, you know, out of respect. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, some of those are so unmarked and there probably really would not be a way without, you know, some sort of ridiculous amount of. Uh, you know, testing like the soil. Okay, well, this soil is only found in this part of the country, and uh, it's likely from this. And then try and figure out you know, exactly where it is. It'd probably be virtually impossible. But if there was a way to to put such things back, uh, that might be a noble cause to get behind. If if there's a lot of them out there for sale in antique stores, <clears throat> just bizarre. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to another letter. Uh, Dear Tony and Jenny, the story I'm sharing has been haunting me for a while now. I'm not sure what it means, so I'm hoping that you or the Real Ghost Stories Online universe does. I'm a former U.S. Marine and have done my time in uh, some very messed up places and have done horrible things that I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life. But there is one that is just more aggressive than the rest. I remember we were going through enemy lines and the convoy was blown to pieces. I don't know how I survived, but I remember I rolled into some kind of ditch where one of the enemies was in also. I quickly get up to shoot him with my sidearm, but the bullets in the chamber jammed, which led us to fighting to the death with blades. Unfortunately, it led to me holding him in a chokehold. I had to do it. It was him or me. I remember his heartbeat, no other sounds, just as fading away. I started crying because I didn't want to do this, but I had a little girl I was looking forward to meeting after I get out of this hell. Anyway, fast forward four years. I started getting flashbacks of that day, and after I kept seeing him at the corner of my eye every day, even some nights I see him in a sniper position ready to take me out. I feel he's watching me. Write this now. I don't know. Maybe he's waiting for me to get his revenge. I'm just afraid because it seems he gets closer and closer each day, and I don't want my girls to get scared or hurt. I don't know if it all he wants to do is is talk to me about what's going on, what happened that day, because I want to apologize about it. Anyway, I have more paranormal stories from my childhood that I'll write to you guys about. Please share my story. I don't stop what you're doing. Believe it or not, it's therapeutic. Stay true and don't change. Thank you for uh, writing in and sharing that that story with us. Obviously, very traumatic experience for you. And, and thank you for your service, first off. Something like that. You know, I, I, su- I suppose, you know, if you want to evaluate this on, on several levels, it, it does have all of the makings to be uh, a paranormal event, a paranormal activity following you around after such uh, an event occurred. Um, it also has the makings, obviously you're, I'm sure, aware of this, um, of, of being uh, a, a psychological problem that, that would 
no doubt be something that could very likely you know be haunting you um, and, and of no fault of your own of, of course going through something like that you know the the human mind and body are only designed to absorb certain things a certain way and that would certainly not be one of those things that I think we are necessarily designed to handle in in you know a, a way that we can process uh, without you know some sort of scarring damage uh, or, or making it a haunting experience so there that of course does beg the question is this uh, could it possibly be uh, something that is psychological that is haunting you and and could this be resolved um, you know by by some therapy and, and working through that um, I would of course encourage you to to look into that and seeing if that could be a way to to address this and I'm just saying this because you want to look at all the aspects of this maybe you've already tried that maybe you've already gone down that road and this stuff is still going on it could very well be something paranormal going on but it could it could also be uh, something psychological that that should be dealt with and and hopefully would then uh, decrease or cease um, at a certain time I guess only really going down uh, the path of uh, elimination as far as what could this actually be uh, will reveal the answer to that question but I certainly wish you all the best and I, I hope that that this can be dealt with whether it be paranormal or something else 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. We would absolutely love to hear them. And if you like the show, please consider supporting it, becoming an EPP. Like I said, that's what keeps our show on the air. Without the support, the show cannot go on. And the show must go on. I just had to say that line out loud, but... It really does. We love doing this, and I know you guys really love it, too. Obviously, that's why we need the support, because the thousands upon thousands of you, every single episode that listen, there's a lot of you out there. It's the cost of a cup of coffee, and uh, you keep the show going, and you get a bunch of free stuff. So please consider becoming an EPP on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. I will wish Jenny Bruski all the best from all of you, and uh, get well soon. And we'll be back again very soon, either myself or both of us, depending on how she's feeling, with another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.